Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. When Marianne and I first started having children, which is a very long time ago, wasn't it? <laughs> we decided as a couple that we would dedicate each one of our children to the Lord. As soon as we can get them to the hospital, so I mean to the church. So, so we did. Each, each one of them, as they were old enough to get to church, we dedicated to the Lord. And now, all these years later... I want to tell you about them. I can brag, right? I'm the daddy. I can brag, right? Our oldest, Rusty, he and his wife, Claire, serve a church in Louisville, Kentucky. Rusty is executive pastor, and they work with the youth up there. Heather, which is here, she and her husband, Will, they work with the youth and the children and the music and all that at the church in Fountain Inn. And then there's the middle one. Yeah, that's the middle one, right? <laughs> Robbie and Jenny, they, uh, they tell everybody they meet about Jesus. So, very proud Papa. And with great pride, I'll introduce Robbie to you this morning, Robbie. Hear me? Can y'all hear me? I've never had a fancy contraption like this. So, um, so in case a lot of y'all know me, but a lot of y'all don't. So let me give you a little history of who I am. As Dad says, I belong to Steve and Marianne McMakin. Um, Mom teaches Sunday school here. She has, she teaches at the school here, children's school here. Dad used to be music director here. If y'all don't know them, then you'll know my sister and my brother-in-law, Will and Heather Jones. They both did youth and ministry here and Sunday school here. Heather used to teach here. Their two sons, Oliver and Theron, both came through school here. Um, If you don't know them, then, you know, I call her my good-looking granny. Joan McMakin, uh, on Grandparents' Day, I think it's a great honor and a great privilege for me to be here because my dad and my grandfather actually built this building. These blocks that y'all see, they actually built. Back in the day, it was a gym where Kevin McKee would coach us to championship basketball every year. I think Jonathan Huey and I were back there. That's right. Yeah, we briefly have a trophy case over here. Baseball, softball, whatever Crossroads was part of, we dominated. So that's just a little bit of our history. Um, They've turned it into this beautiful sanctuary, which is amazing. But for my whole life, I've been running up and down these halls. I grew up, my parents' house is a mile from here. They're neighbors to about half of y'all. Been giving Joey a hard time since as soon as I could walk. Uh, And it's just a great honor of me to do that. You know, I just feel really proud. Um, and we prayed for Jack a long time to be here. Uh, we prayed for a good, 
Holy Spirit-led man of God to step into this place and bring it into where God wants it to be. And I just thank you, Jack, for this opportunity to just to be here on Grandparents' Day of all days, to be in a building that my grandfather built before I was born, to know that I'd be standing here one day telling you all about God. It's just too big for me to even put my arms around. So that's me. That's a little bit of who I am before I get into anything. Um, y'all are in John, and so I got John 5, which is amazing because I love John 5. And there's a lot in it, but I'm going to go through um, verse 1 to verse 24. And when y'all get to John 5, let me, tell you, let me hear an amen, so that way I know when to start reading, okay? And it'll kind of get y'all exercise for all the amens I'm going to hear. Amen. Amen. So in some, woo, get a hallelujah that I want to hear about there. So in some translations, uh, verse four is there and it's not, it was not in the early manuscripts and it was added later kind of for a context. So if you have like an ESV or something, it might not be in there. So I'm just going to skip over verse four. So just don't think I didn't skip over it. It's just so that we could all be on the same page. God help me. This is yours. Jesus is all about you and giving you glory. Holy Spirit, this is, your, this is your stage. This is all about you just speaking and unplugging ears and, and letting people see, hopefully for the very first time, something brand new. So God, we just ask that you do something brand new, something I didn't know I could pray for, and you just make that happen. We ask this in the name of our King Jesus. Amen. Amen. So... Chapter 5 says, Later on there was a Jewish feast, a festival, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, there is a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porticos. And Bethesda actually means house of mercy. In these porticos lay a great number of people who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. And there was a certain man there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus noticed him lying there, helpless, knowing that he had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? The invalid answered, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am coming to get into it myself, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man was healed and recovered his strength and picked up his pallet and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews kept saying to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and you are not permitted to pick up your pallet because it is unlawful. And he answered them, The man who healed me and gave me back my strength was the one who said to me, Pick up your pallet and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who told you pick up your pallet and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away unnoticed since there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews began to persecute Jesus continually because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now. He has never ceased working, and I too am working. This made the Jews more determined than ever to kill him. For not only was he breaking the Sabbath from their viewpoint, but he was also calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. 
So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever things the father does, the son also does in the same way. For the father dearly loves the son and shows him everything that he himself is doing. And the father will show him greater works than these so that you will be filled with wonder. Just as the father raises the dead and gives them a life, Even so, the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will give honor and reverence to the Son, just as they give honor and reverence to the Father. In fact, the one who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who has sent him. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the person who hears my word, heeds my message, and believes and trusts in him who sent me, has, possesses now, eternal life, and does not come into judgment and condemnation, but is passed over from death into life. So God, we thank you. Thank you to give you glory and honor today. This is all about you. This is all about your name. This is all about lifting you up. This is all about putting you first. This is all about getting us out of the way and just just praising you. So I thank you for this opportunity to praise you. May our life be a praise and a song of worship to you. In the name of my King Jesus, amen. So we have, Jenny has a, a niece, her sister has a niece, and when she was really young, she always said the most important things first, just in case she had to run away or she didn't have time, you know, her attention span, you know, kids are. So when she would meet you, she would say, I love you, you're awesome, whatever the big thing of the day was, and then you the conversation might go. So we have taken that as kind of like the thing we do. We say the most important things first. So just in case something happens, you've already heard the most important thing. And the most important thing is Jesus will come all the way to you wherever you're at, no matter where you are, to bring you out of your sickness and bring you into him, which is eternal life. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. He loves you so much that he goes to you personally, wherever you're at. He will walk over sick people through the darkest dungeon, through wherever you are at, to come to you, to put you up on your feet and let you walk and have eternal life with him. Amen. Amen. Woo! That'll preach. Yeah. So, first things first. Kind of one thing that Jenny and I try to do is we try to lead by example. I'd hate to tell you to do something if I'm not doing it already. I like to put myself in a position so that people can see maybe something they've never seen before. And as Christians, we are called a peculiar people because we look different. And so we look a whole lot different to a lot of people. Even Christians sometimes tell us we look a little crazy. So that's a good thing. It's a good thing for people to be like, that's different. I haven't seen that before. Because if people haven't seen it before, then maybe they didn't know it was possible. So 1 Timothy 4, 12 and 15 through 16 says, Be an example and set a pattern for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Practice and work hard on these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those 
who hear you. So it's not just for you. When you're working out your salvation, it's not just for you. Sometimes we like to think of it as us, but it's for everyone around us. So in chapter 5, verse 6, it says that this guy is with a bunch of people, a multitude of sick people of all different kinds, and he's sitting there in his sickness. In this story, it's a physical thing that you can see. It's an a bunch of people there that you can go and you can see what's wrong with them. There's a lot of times we see people where their sickness, I'm going to put that in quotation or the Lego movie, sickness, okay, is apparent. They are on the street. They are addicts. They are lame. They're crippled, whatever it is, and you can see it. But we all are dealing with some kind of sickness, Sickness is not a phys- just a physical thing. It's emotional, spiritual. You've got grief and trauma that people are holding on to that need healed from that. So sometimes we can see it, and sometimes we can't. But we all need Jesus, and Jesus does that. He comes right to where we're at, to whatever we're battling with. And he comes to us and asks us, you know? So as an example of this, I'm just going to throw a bunch of testimonies out at y'all of people that we, uh, Jenny and I, have gotten to see and be a part of. And... Whatever Holy Spirit has to stick on you, y'all take that home with you, all right? If I say something or I'm telling a testimony and something really gets you some way, write it down, put it in your pocket, save it for later, whatever, and go home and get a verse, pray about it, meditate on it, and that's the word for you, okay? A lot of my words, I talk pretty fast, so, but if something sticks on you, that's what God's word for you today, okay? So as an unseen sickness, we had a friend of ours down at the beach, he was a leader in a church. He was a young man. He was a youth pastor. Awesome guy. Would go out and pray with anybody. Really was an encourager. But he had this hurt from his past. This huge hurt that didn't let him open up and love people. Because he had been hurt. And so if we can't love ourselves, it says love your neighbor like you love yourself. But if you can't love yourself, then you're just pretending with your neighbor. And they'll know that. Authenticity goes a long way. So this guy, right, had this big hurt. And we talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. But on the outside, he was outgoing. He was smiling. He was a leader. He was looked up to. He came over to our house one day. And we, like, ugly cried on a rug. I don't know if y'all know about ugly crying. But that's like a level up from crying. That's like when snot's coming out and everything. And you are just like, there's a spot on the floor when you get done, you know. That's what we did. We left that junk on the rug. And God healed him. Jesus healed him that day. Now, years later, he's married, has a young baby, vibrant, full of life. Because he was sitting in a sickness. But Jesus came all the way to him. But that sickness you couldn't see. He didn't have it on the outside. He had it on the inside. And so many of us are carrying something on the inside that Jesus wants to heal you from. So Hebrews 12, 12 says, So then, strengthen hands that are weak and knees that tremble. Cut through and make smooth, straight paths for your feet, so that the leg which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Again, all of this, what I'm going to be speaking about today, is being an example. So we do this so that we can hold and we can strengthen and we can encourage others. So the next question Jesus says, he's like, do you want to get well? He sees him sitting there, and he's like, do you want to get well? There's so many people we talk to on the street and have addictions. 
They don't want to get well. They like where they're at. We have people that actually, uh, there was a guy down the beach that had spirits on him, evil spirits. We asked him, like, hey, we can get those off of you. He's like, no, they're not too bad. And what do you do with that? So we asked him, do you want to get well? So what does he do? Gives an excuse, right? Well, I would get well, but, you know, I'm here, I'm sick. People are a little faster than me. I can't get down. I don't have any friends, right? And I'm sure we all can relate to that, but I can relate to that very much so. So I'm the prodigal son here. Y'all's prayers over all the years, y'all just look at me. I am a manifestation of people praying for me my whole entire life. If y'all have ever wanted to see fruit of long, consistent, steadfast prayer from a group of people, y'all just take a picture, put your phone up, Take a picture of me and see that is what I am. It's because people were on their knees praying for me for years and years and years and years. I was an addict for about 15 years. I got into anything I could. Stole, lied, cheated. I was a drunk. I was rude, crude, vulgar. Didn't care anything about anybody except for myself. I ended up on the streets for a little bit. Mom had to pick me off of jail. Heather and... Mom had to come get me off the street. Right? This is a Christian guy raised up in a good Christian place, in a Christian neighborhood, surrounded by Christian people. So one day, I'm sitting on my bed, and God, the creator of the universe, says, Robbie, you need to get into my word. And of course, me, going by scripture, this is scripturally based, by the way, you know, talk back, Right? I read that in John 5. I can talk back. I was like, God, if I had a Bible, I'd get into your word. Knowing I didn't have a Bible. Knowing I had like a bag of clothes. That's it. Literally, a garbage bag of clothes. I moved the bag over, and there's a black Bible sitting right next to me with my entire name written on it. Amen. Amen. (laughs) If it had just been a Bible, I probably would have just thought, hey, there's supposed to be Bibles here. My entire name. I opened that thing up. I don't remember where I opened it up. And I said, I surrender. It's like, I'm yours. And I've done that every single day since then. I've gotten into his word, and into his word, and into his word, and into his word, and into his word. And as the good of Jesus came in, the bad went out. It wasn't a night and day. It wasn't the next day. All of a sudden, I'm really good. It was a... I would see one word, and I'd be like, oh, I know that word. Let me pray about that word. I'd see one verse. Let me pray about this verse. And then it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I wanted to be the example for others. I used to think that me coming to a church would be bad because they would see an old addict and people knew me. But actually, it's what people need to see. They need to see the broken people in church. They need to see the people that they knew were drunk on the street the night before in here. They need to see that that love is available to everybody, anytime, anywhere, because that's what Jesus does. We have another guy named Dennis, who was an awesome drunk. And I say that in the way that it was very apparent. He loved drinking. And he was hiding a sickness, too, because he never knew what love was. 
we would ask him, hey, I, we told him when Jenny and I first met him, we're like, we love you. And that's kind of, you know, weird to go up to somebody that's drunk on the street and say, hey, I love you. But that's what we're called to do. And he's like, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't, you know, I don't believe in that. Well, eventually, after we told him, we loved him like 10 times after like two weeks, he had told us about people that he grew up with that said they loved him, either beat him or abused him or left him or used him. So the word love did not mean anything to him. Sometimes we just say the word love like people know what that means. But a lot of times we, we are honored to be able to know what love means. If you know what love means, then you should just hold on to that and be so grateful. Because there are so many people out there that don't even know what that word means. It's just another word. So we showed him love. We met him where he's at. We hung out with him while he was drunk. We talked to him. We helped him. We did life with him. Eventually, the love of Jesus poured on this guy so much that he could not contain it. And he would go around and help people. He would go around to restaurants and bars and do their trash for no reason, for nothing. He would go and just talk about, just hug people. Take his whole, everything about him changed. This guy had nothing. He would work all day passing out these little coupons for this pizza place, and they would pay him in a pizza. He would bring it to Jenny and I, tear the top of the pizza box off, put it into plates, and give us everything that he had. Everything he had, everything he worked for that day, because he was filled so much with love, that was his way of showing us love. Jesus changes things, but it takes an example. It takes us doing it. It takes us coming all the way to them. Psalms 42 says, The Lord brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, which is deep mud, and he set my feet upon a rock, steadying my footsteps, and establishing my path. So Jesus comes. He asks him if he wants to get up. He wants to get well. He says, he really doesn't say yes. But Jesus says, get up anyway. You know? <laughs> He's making excuses. So he just says, get up. The guy gets up. And goes. And of course, the first thing he does is get some slack from the Pharisees. Goes to the temple. Back there. Back then. Once you, you were unclean, you were separated from the community. And to get put back in the community, you went to the temple. The priest told you you were clean, do a, some kind of sacrifice, here's a dove or something, and you can be acclimated back in. So Jesus finds him at the temple, and he says, hey, I see you're well. And he's like, yeah, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And this verse always tore me up until the last couple of weeks. Because I always think, man, he was sick, and Jesus like, if you start sinning, you know, maybe your leg will fall off. That's a tough thing to hear from Jesus, you know? But really, what he was saying is separation from me is worse than any physical ailment you can ever have. I would rather be, there's a psalm that says, I'd rather be a gatekeeper in, in heaven than in the houses with the righteous. And I might have murdered that, but that is just my takeaway from that place. Is I'd rather be sweeping the floors in heaven than be rich here, in, here on earth. And he's saying, stop sinning, see me, look at me, come to me, and you can have eternal life. Because without me, you're going to be separated. It's going to be a whole lot worse than sitting around a pool waiting for water to heal you. Being too weak to get up. So hell is real. I don't know if y'all knew that. I don't know if y'all heard that in a while. 
Hell is real and heaven is real. It's just a fact. You either go one way or the other. There's no gray. So we have a friend of ours named Alan. And I say I have a friend of ours because Jenny and I are these weird people that once we meet you, we keep talking to you. And even if you move away to another state, we keep calling you and keep texting you and keep showing up at your house until, you know, we're friends. If you're on the street, we're going to keep talking to you, keep sitting down next to you. If you're drunk, we're going to keep talking to you until eventually you go put the bottle down because you're like, man, this guy's messing with my drinking. So we have a friend of ours named Alan. When we first met Alan, we were uh, in Myrtle Beach. And um, I went outside the coffee shop. We were working at a Christian coffee shop. Went outside the coffee shop one day, and I was telling this guy, uh, this is how he told me that I went outside and told a guy on the street that God loved him and went in. So Alan hears this about God and waits for us for hours till we leave the coffee shop. And we didn't leave the coffee shop. This is in the summer of Myrtle Beach, and there's... People all around us at all the bars think that they can drink all night and come get a cup of coffee, and then they're sober, you know? So really, you just have a lot of energetic, drunk people running around. Um, but they would do that. So we stay up and late. And um, so we went outside, and we start walking, and Jenny's like, there's a guy following us. And I was like, no, there's nobody following us. There's just a bunch of people around. We walked a little farther, and Jenny's like, there's somebody following us. I'm like, no, there's nobody following us. It's just, you know, it's just a lot of people. We finally get to this place, and Jenny's like, there is a guy following us. I was like, all right, so let's stop and see. So we stopped, and this guy walks up to us, and he goes, I've been following y'all. And I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> and this guy is your stereotypical, stereotypical addict. Coming off of heroin, so he was sweating, shaking, crazy eyes, crazy hair, devil tattoos, used the bathroom all over himself. And he comes up to me and he goes, I heard you say something about God. I've been having visions of me and my friends burning in hell. Is hell real? I was like, well. I was like, and he's like, is God real? So I said to him, you've got to go and kind of detox. So on your way, you ask if God's real. And talk to him in your language. If you're cussing, cuss. If you're angry, be angry. You ask God if he's real, and we'll talk about it when you come back. We didn't see him for like two, three weeks. He came back to us, found us, said he'd gone to the hospital, had died. In his death, he was on fire from the waist up, and then God, and he said he woke up, and there was a pastor and a doctor looking over him, looking at his legs that were burnt, and the doctor was trying to figure out how his legs got burnt, and he's telling the chaplain he was in hell and his legs got burnt. And they let him go, right? <laughs> he comes and chases Jenny and I down. And he says, Robbie, I know hell is real. And I was like, well, if you know hell is real, if you know there's a place of fire and destruction, would it be safe to say that the opposite is true? Would it be safe to say that there's somebody who loves you and there's a place of freedom and peace and love? And he accepted Christ. We got to baptize him in the ocean. And he is just an amazing guy of faith. He battled with his addictions for a long time, went back and forth. It wasn't a, like, hey, he accepted Jesus. He was like me. He didn't accept Jesus, and all of a sudden all his problems went away. He accepted Jesus, and things got harder because he's in this environment. So he would leave and come back and disappear and see us. 
just recently, he was down in Charleston, and he had had a, a daughter and the daughter's mother that he was living with, that they both passed away tragically, and he walked into it. And so from that point on, there is no God. God wouldn't, a loving God wouldn't let this happen. All these things, all these lies that Satan tells you, right? And lives this life of crazy debauchery and sin until he comes to, to us that night and follows us. But he wanted to do, he was going through a step program where he needed to make amends to the people that he had wronged. And so he wanted to make amends to his dead daughter, who he had put in that situation with his addiction and put her in an environment that wasn't safe. So his sponsor was like, well, we can't talk to her, so let's write her a letter and tie it to a balloon. So he writes her, he puts his name, he puts the daughter's name, he writes this letter, just pouring his heart out, signs his name. He rolls it up, and they tie it to a red balloon, and they let it go. Two days later, the maternal grandmother calls Alan, weeping, crying, frantic. And he's like, what's going on? She's like, I was going out to my garden today to look at my vegetables, and there was a red balloon stuck in a tree with a letter in it. I opened that, red, I opened that letter, and there was a letter, and it was a note from you to my dead granddaughter. He said to me, he couldn't get back to Jenny and I fast enough to tell us that God is real. Now, he's on the streets helping police officers feed and water, give out water, give out food to the people on the streets. And he actually tells them about Jesus. One of the police officers told him he couldn't tell them about Jesus. He's like, I'm going to tell them about Jesus anyway. Everything can be taken away. We are up in Kentucky. It's chaplains for Billy Graham. Right after the flood. And we saw a lot of things that are going to stick with us for the rest of our life. And there's a lot of people that went through things up there that's going to stick with them for the rest of their life. A lot of things they saw and heard and went through. Everything can be taken away. Your titles, your homes, your families, your livelihood, your identity here on earth can be taken away. Everything you work for can go flood, can go right down a river in a moment. But Jesus Christ promises something that cannot be taken away. Something that cannot be stolen. Something that can't float away. Something that is real and bigger and better than anything that we ever could imagine here. I've kind of told a little too much stories. So, it says, too, my father has been working until now. He has never ceased working, and I, too, am working. Look for opportunities. Look for opportunities all around you. There's always an opportunity. There's always somebody that needs a word. There's always somebody that needs some encouragement. There's always somebody that needs to know that Jesus loves them. And sometimes you don't even have to say Jesus loves them. You can just love them, and they'll ask you. You be different. Don't wait for someone else to be different. 
Don't wait for someone else to be bold. If you haven't seen anybody pray with somebody in the grocery store, up here at Publix or Lowe's, if you haven't walked down an aisle and seen somebody praying on somebody, guess what? Your turn. If you haven't seen somebody praying, weeping with each other, talking about Jesus at the coffee shop, guess what? You need to do it. I'm not going to wait for somebody else to pray for somebody if God tells me to. I'm not going to be the person that says, oh, somebody needs to go pray for them. I'm going to go pray for them. And God's going to say something through me. I'm not going to have to try to think about it. Oh, I wonder what I'm going to say about it. I'm going to stand up and say, hey, my name's Robbie. And God will do the rest. In Psalms, there's a verse I love. It says, open my mouth. It says, God will open, open my mouth wide and God will fill it. I always have a picture of a baby bird. Like, you know how big those baby birds are? They can't even see their face. That's how how much I want my mouth open for God to come out of it. So, John 5, 24, it says, The person who hears my word, heeds my message, and believes and trusts in him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment and condemnation, but has passed from death to death into life so we're up on the top of the mountain and there's this group of kids that are at a camp it's a Christian camp and I asked them I was like oh hey, y'all look like you're from a camp and they're like yeah we're from a religious camp it's like religious it's like does that mean you love Jesus and they're like yeah there's little hikers around and it was this awesome little peak it's called Mount Craig and you can see everything around you and we were at a spot kind of right here, and Jenny and her friend were down at a little spot right here. They're really close, but it's just kind of separated by a, a bush and a boulder, so you couldn't see her. And I told them, I was like, you know what we should do? Jenny and I have this tendency of just yelling, Jesus loves you in random places, you know, like at beaches, especially on beaches and on top of mountains and in tunnels. Those are like our three top places. But we do just randomly say, Jesus loves you, and just scream it out. And you can see sometimes the reaction's awesome. So I was telling them, I was like, hey, y'all need to scream out and yell out, Jesus loves you, as loud as you can on top of this mountain. And they were like, Jesus. I was like, come on. You know, I was like, if we can't yell, Jesus loves you, as loud as you can here in a safe place on top of a mountain, looking at all these mountain ranges, how are you ever going to do it out in the street? How are you ever going to do it out in your community? How are you going to ever do it when people come around you that you know? Like, this is where we practice. And they, they kind of got, there was a couple of rounds of them, Jesus, Jesus, you know. And eventually, we all yelled out, Jesus, as loud as we could. And then from below us, you heard this, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and these guys were like, whoa, someone yelled hallelujah back. And they were pumped. They, gave, they went off that trail all high-fiving and clapping and smiling. This is your safe place to yell Jesus off of a mountaintop. If y'all cannot be bold here with each other in this home, in this safe place among family, no way you're going to be able to take it to the streets. This is where you practice. This is, where you're, this is your practice, people. This is a, a grace-filled place. This is where you, oh, I got that wrong. Well, cool, good. Practice here. Be bold here. Yell on top of your mountain here. 
John 20, 21 says, Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. You are sent. As soon as you accepted Jesus, you're sent. It's no longer about you. It's not you anymore. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Stamped by the Spirit. Justified, just like that song, redeemed. You're not your own. You need to get out of your comfort zone and be bold. And we're going to practice that because that's what I am. I'm an application guy. Is the invitation today? Maybe no one here knows Jesus. Maybe y'all know Jesus, but you were like me in this church where you knew him, but it wasn't real. You didn't surrender to him. You still had some of you. This is the place to surrender. This is the time. If God's talking to you now, if Holy Spirit's drawing you now, now is the time. As soon as you walk out of there, there is no, there's no guarantees. I've seen that over and over and over and over and over and over again. So many people. This is the time. Now is the time. If y'all have never gotten out of your seat and come to the front and prayed with each other, now is the time. For no reason but just to get up and show somebody else that they can get up. Just to get up and show somebody, hey, they walked down to the altar and they prayed with somebody. I can do that. I was stuck down at a festival and this pastor said they heard me telling somebody about Jesus. And the pastor goes, well, if Robbie can do it, I can do it. And I don't know if that was a compliment or not. But it's the truth. If you lead by example, not only are you building your faith muscle and your trust in Jesus, but you're showing someone else the example too. So I think they're going to sing Just As I Am, which is Jenny's pick for a song today because that's, that's how Jesus wants us, just as we are. He doesn't want us four years from now, one year from now. He doesn't want us to clean up. He wants us just as I am, just as we are. Totally dependent on him. So if God said anything to you today, I want you to come down the front and thank him for it. Show your church, show your family, show your friends that you want to be the first one to stand up for Jesus today. You want to be the first kid on top of the mountain yelling out. Or do it at your seat. Yell Jesus at your seat. But be the example. So Father God, dear Lord, We love you. We thank you. You You're amazing and awesome and wonderful and merciful and forgiving and gracious. You're mighty and powerful. You're our rock. You're our fortress. You're our stronghold. You defend us. You surround us. You lead us. You guide us. We are nothing. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. It's not about me. It's about you, Jesus. It's all about you. I put myself down, and I lift you up. So, Father, we just ask that you just stir and do, and that your word, Father, we ask that fertile ground, that any seed that was thrown today that falls on fertile ground and takes root. We ask this name of our King Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Robbie. We're going to stand in just a second. Joey's going to lead us in an invitation hymn. I couldn't help but think, as Robbie was sharing, maybe you 
are sitting by the pool this morning and you need somebody to push you in or help you up. If you do, his name is Jesus and I'll be here to receive you. I'm going to ask Heath to come stand with me too. If you need prayer this morning or you need to respond to the message that Robbie's given us, I pray you do that. Will you stand with me as we sing together and you respond as the Lord leads you this morning? We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.